Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and a very warm welcome to the LaSalle Wellbeing Show. Now, in this week's episode, I am joined by the food and health writer, Sunday Times bestselling author, Sam Rice, as she shares her thoughts on how to lose weight and feel great after 40. Well, on average, midlife women gain one and a half pounds per year throughout our 40s and 50s, a change that can really start to take its toll on our health and well-being. Yeah, add them all up. It's pretty scary. Well, Sam's journey to healthy living began in 2012 when her youngest brother tragically died suddenly from complications arising from type 1 diabetes. And this was the catalyst for change in the process of overhauling her own lifestyle. Sam began to research and write about midlife weight management and health. And her latest book, The Midlife Method, is the fascinating result of all this research. And she will be sharing plenty of practical tips for feeling great, losing weight, and importantly, keeping that weight off in today's show. Do you know, it really is possible to be fitter, healthier, and happier in our 40s, 50s, and beyond than we were in our 30s. So I'm really hoping that this episode will inspire, encourage, and empower. And as always, do please join me after the show to share your thoughts on Instagram, especially. It's a great place to leave comments. So without further ado, let's hear from Sam. So Sam, welcome. It's a real pleasure to have you here. And, you know, obviously midlife is something that I write a lot about. I'm really interested to hear your take and why you became so interested in in midlife health and well-being. Well, thanks Liz for inviting me to come on because I don't think there is a better place to talk about midlife health and well-being than your podcast. So I'm really, oh, really so delighted to, to, to be invited to come on and really talk about what interests me and, and what I write about. Yeah. Um, so uh, the midlife angle on things was obviously only only occurred to me when I myself hit midlife. And I think it's one of those things you don't really imagine is ever going to happen to you. And then all of a sudden you're in the throes of it. And it can be quite all-encompassing, actually. Um, and... I, I mean, my background isn't in health and well-being and nutrition at all. And I think a lot of people, particularly people who write 
and become interested in well-being, it's due to some kind of event that's happened in their life. And that can yeah. quite often be the trigger or the catalyst for sort of rethinking uh, their own lifestyles and the way that they're living. And that certainly was the case for me. Um, so about eight years ago in 2012, unfortunately, my youngest brother, Ben, um, died from complications related to type 1 diabetes. And he was oh, very young. So he was only 27. And, oh, um, it's, you know, it's um, we, we, obviously it was a shock. Um, we knew he was ill. We knew he had type 1 diabetes. Um, but I don't really think, I think we just thought that it would be something that he could manage. And we didn't really understand yeah. the toll it was taking on his body fully. And um, after that happened, I think that was really the wake up call I needed. I was 42 at the time, had two young kids. Um, my, my own health was not at the top of the priority list at all, as yeah. I'm sure lots of your listeners will, that will resonate with. Um, and I think I just thought, you know, my brother's health was taken from him and yeah. I really owe it to myself to actually look after myself a bit better. Yeah. And, you know, at that time I yeah, wasn't eating particularly well. I wasn't really thinking about what I was eating. I was about stone overweight. I mean, not huge, not hugely overweight, but, you know, stone overweight and sort of that had become a bit of a preoccupation. And I was coming into my early forties and the realization hit that you know, this isn't going to get any easier unless I sort of get a handle on my health now, <laughs> you know, it, it's only going to get harder and harder. And so my husband and I just decided at that point, really, um, that we wanted to make some changes and not just in terms of our, our lifestyle, in terms of what, what we ate and exercise and things, but completely. So we moved to Bali. We decided to... <laughs> It is quite an extreme decision. <laughs> is, yeah, well, okay. We're going to go from Brighton to Bali. Brilliant. Well, from Brighton to Bali. So we're in Brighton and we have the kids, I think they must have been about 11 and 5 then. And we just decided we were running our own business and we thought, okay, we can, we'll try and restructure a little bit. And originally the idea was just to have a year away, do something different, sort of a sabbatical year, if you like, take the kids, give them a different experience. Did you find added pressure from that kind of beach life to, to you know, everybody wearing bikinis? And, and did that add to the pressure of having to watch piling on the pounds? Um, not really, I think, because Bali is, you know, it attracts all sorts. <laughs> you know, it's not, it, it felt like there were people from all different walks of life. And lots of people sort of wash up in Bali for all sorts of reasons. Um, and it was just a really interesting place. It's quite an alternative place. You know, there's a big, um, there's a big artistic scene there. And I, it was just a really interesting place to be. And um, what I found was that I think the health food scene there had sort of arrived from Australia largely, because obviously Bali is a place where, where there gets a lot of Australian visitors. And, um, yeah, the Australian restaurant scene had really been exploding and that, that's all about kind of the fresh produce and all that and that being brought into Bali and then sort of mixed with the Balinese kind of sensibilities for local fresh food and what have you. So it was really, really interesting and these little restaurants were popping up, some locally owned, some owned by farm people, but it was really about, it's actually um, the time that the whole raw vegan thing was taking off. Um, I didn't go that far. I didn't, I didn't go down into raw veganism, but it was just interesting to see what people were doing and being really creative and inventive and making health food delicious and 
making it's, it's about as far away from sort of diet food as you can get because actually it's so vibrant and so fresh and so delicious that you just want to eat everything and I thought you know there's something there's something in here this food is talking to me you know maybe 10 years ago it wouldn't have done but maybe my midlife palate has changed a bit <laughs> and maybe this is you know this is making me feel really good and um I just, yeah, just really, really got into that healthy from an eating point of view at this point, not from a writing about it point of view, just purely yeah. from a consumer yeah. point of view. And what are your thoughts on dieting in general? Where, where, where do you stand on that? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I've just written a weight loss book. So, <laughs> it, of course, you know, I think people do need help to lose weight. It's, it's not something that's particularly easy for most people. But when you talk about diets, I think for our sort of midlife generation, we, we grew up in a very toxic diet culture. We were almost guinea pigs for all those original diets that came, like the, yeah. you know, the, the Beverly Hills diet where you could only eat pineapple on a Tuesday and, and just these, these sort of ridiculous, ridiculous diets that appeared when we were in our sort of late teens 20s 30s i'm sure a lot of us have been there listening and will think you know that was me i tried this diet that diet so many different things and not only actually being tested on diets but being tested by the food industry you know we've been guinea pigs you know we're the first generation really to have grown up with ultra processed foods you know changing our microbiome and our diet and potentially our metabolism and, and so much more so yeah it's interesting to think about that but midlife women now particularly because it's so often women who sort of seem to be at the forefront of the diet and the food industry targeting we have yeah. been this major experiment haven't we 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 really have and i think it's really messed up a lot of our thinking around food and so my central idea for the book what worked for me when i finally did manage to lose weight so basically this book is about my experience of trying to educate myself uh to lose weight but lose weight healthily and sustainably keep it off yeah. so the way did you have very much to lose though I, I lost about 10 kilos I had about 10 kilos and it's it's a fair amount of weight um so there was there was the losing of it and then there was the keeping it off and yes. I was very very much keen that once I'd gone to the effort of losing this 10 kilos that it didn't come back and that had been my yeah. experience of the diets that I had tried when I was younger you know so I'd done a stint on those meal replacement shakes to get into my wedding dress and I'd, I'd done all of that but mm. they, they'd been quite quick temporary fixes and they, they did work I did lose weight I mean you know you can stop eating and lose weight it's not it you know it's not difficult in that sense but it is difficult to do it in terms of actually changing your mentality and changing your relationship with food such that as you as you get older and things start working against you in terms of weight, because we do naturally gain weight as we get older, that you've got the tools to mm. be able to deal with that. And, mm. you know, I've spoken to, uh, I suppose, so my point really was, I wanna, I wanna find out what is going on in these kind of midlife bodies of ours, it's making it. Yes, what is different, you know, what is happening physiologically that actually make us so much yeah. more to gaining weight in, in midlife and making it harder to lose. Well, that was the interesting bit because so when, quickly skipping back to Bali, so when I was in Bali in, I think it was 2016, a friend of mine came to visit for holiday um, and she's, her name's Mimi Spencer. I'm sure 
people listening will have heard of her. She wrote The Fast Diet with Michael Mosley and yes. she's written uh, various other books as well. And she's a, she's an old friend of mine and she came to visit me in Bali and we were both really inspired by this food. And we the first book that I wrote was a book with her called The Midlife Kitchen. And that was just, mm. uh, that, was a, that was a cookbook, not a weight loss program. It's just a cookbook about eating well in midlife. And we did all the research around foods that are particularly good for you and sustaining and created this, these recipes based on that. So we were thinking, you know, our thinking then was if, if you just eat well, then that's enough. But then what happened subsequently was people were, lots of people say, oh, I love your book and I couldn't book and it's really helped me. I feel so healthy and I feel better. But even those people who felt they were doing the right things, the weight was still starting to, was creeping on still. You know, they're like, something's going on here because I, yeah. I feel like I'm doing all right. I feel like I'm eating quite well and I know about eating, you know, my five a day and I know about eating, you know, leafy greens and oily fish. I know all that, but something outside of my control is, is going yes. on and I'm getting this softening around the middle, et cetera, et cetera, things that we, we all know. Um, so that was my point to think, okay, so the next phase was, you know, I've done the midlife nutrition, what's good for us. Now I need to focus on the weight loss bit. So let's have a look at those physiological changes that are clearly happening. And it, the most obvious one is hormones. And I'm sure you've yeah. spoken about hormones a lot on, on here. Um, and yeah, you know, what's, it, what's your view on, on what's happening? Because I've, I've got very strong views. I'm really interested to hear what, what your take on it is. Well, there's absolutely no doubt about it that um, what happens as you go through the perimenopause is that you know your progesterone estrogen levels do drop and fluctuate and we know all about that and um it does have it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to gain a lot of weight but it does mean that you're the fat that you have is going to be redistributed and it's going to start yeah. to move into this middle section so studies are showing it's not it's not the sort of perimenopause in itself that causes you to gain weight but there is this redistribution and there are it's certainly true that if you feel tired, which you do, you're more likely to reach for food. Mm. Your, your sleep's going to be disrupted. And, and when you, your sleep is disrupted, that is going to push you into uh, poor eating um, patterns. And th that is the case. You know, if you just think about, for example, say you wake up with a hangover, you know, you're tired. And the first thing you want to do is have a big fry up. You know, it's, it's not really so much different to that, is it? You know, you, you, your hormones are all over the place. You, you know, you're having these really restless nights and you wake up and you think, oh my God, you know, I just need some energy. I need something. So I think it all comes to, it's a bit of a perfect health storm in a way, because you've got all these things conspiring against you. Um, so you may not even realize that you're actually overeating. You, you might be responding to what feels like hunger, but actually those, that is being caused by what, what you're going through hormonally. It's really interesting. You think that this drop in hormones is actually triggering changes in the brain that we interpret as being hungry? Well, I think it's, it, it's probably, there's certainly a mental part to it. You know, and whether it's whether it's that or whether it's just needing the comfort of food or whether it's that feeling of, do you know what, there's so much going on and I've got so much to deal with and, you know, all those pressures of midlife, maybe it's just one thing too much to sort of also try and lose weight. It feels just like another thing on your to-do list and it's just a bridge too far. Um, so yes. I think that, that you can work against yourself mentally and I think 
there's a certain element of self-sabotage that can go on because actually what you're thinking is you need to eat that big muffin and latte because it makes you feel good and you need the energy but actually that's not what you need you need to actually say well I need to just be a bit more aware of what my body actually needs and try and give it that rather than what I feel like eating so I think those are two that's yeah, quite a subtle distinction but I talk a lot about um, eating with awareness in the book. It's like trying to be more aware of what you need at a particular time and be a bit more focused on that. So it's not just about cutting calories, it's about increasing your awareness around food. Because if you're really busy, you will eat mindlessly. We all do it, don't we? It's like, what's in the fridge? I just need something to eat. And that can happen so easily. So it's a really complex thing. And it's not just hormones. You know, we've got other things happening. We've got our, our metabolisms are starting to slow a little bit as, as we go through our 40s and 50s. So actually your calorie requirement, your energy requirement is reducing. So you need about 20% less in your 50s than you did in your 20s, just in terms of pure energy. That's um, really interesting. Isn't it? I remember reading, I think it might have been Joan Collins in one of her books years ago. And she does look amazing and she's aged incredibly well. You know, when you look at her physique, it's extraordinary. And she said, you know, you just have to understand that as you age, you need to eat less, mm. but less and on your plate. And, you know, that's very that statistic of, of 20%. Mm. So yes. that's one fifth less. So should we be, you know, putting literally one fifth less food as a portion size you know don't necessarily have to you know cut things out but just scale back the number of mouthfuls of whatever it is that's on the absolutely. plate absolutely and one of the things i talk about so the way the way that i try and approach the weight loss aspect of things is you do have to calorie restrict in the sense that in order to achieve an en energy deficit which you need for weight loss and it's the only proven way to lose weight loss you do have to, to on, on a certain level calorie restrict but there mm. are ways of doing that you know how, how do you make that doable how do you make that work within your busy life because you can't be putting everything on a pair of scales and looking at the right. calorie count on every packet it's just impossible to do that but then I, I, I would argue that actually high fat can be helpful because it fills you up for longer. Um, Certainly eating the right things. Yeah, eating yeah, the right... good, good healthy fats. And actually it's the sugar, in my view, that are, are, the, are the real sort of dietary baddies here and that sabotage everything. They do. And, you know, it's getting that macro balance right. If you get the macro balance right of your food, so you don't eat the processed sugars, but you do eat the complex carbs. Yeah, talk to us about macros, because th this is something that we are hearing about. People say, mm. you know, oh, do you count your macros? But what exactly does that mean? Yeah, so it's it, it's a, an alternative view on, on, effectively, it is calorie counting in a different guise, because if you count your macros, each, each element, so we're talking about here fat, protein and carbohydrate, those are the macros. And they, they each have a certain amount of calories per gram. So the idea is that if you, if you balance those macros in different ways, they're gonna have a different effect on you metabolically. So, um, so, so they each have different calories per gram. So you, you, so you, you balance that, you, you decide how many calories you're going to get from fats, protein and carbs 
Is that right? Kind of. It, it sort of came through from people who were training. So they wanted right. to make sure that they had enough protein for their training. So it started off in that sort of um, group of people. And then it right. sort of became a bit more mainstream about, you know, having uh, lower carbs or higher carbs, depending on what your goals are. So if you were a high performance athlete, you might want more protein. So you might set yourself a protein target in terms of that. Or, you know, if you're trying to become more lean and lose body fat, then you might have a different ratio of macros. So it sort of depends on what your aims are. But in terms of midlife and bringing it back to that, yeah. I think that macros are important in terms of giving your body the overall nutrition that it needs. So, so what do sort of balance would, would you go for then for, between the three? What would you suggest? So in midlife, it's good to have a little bit more protein because you want to sustain your muscle mass. So that supports mm. your metabolism. So you want to have a decent amount of protein. Yes, I mean, I sort of say 30%, you know, sort of 20 to 30% of fat, you know, 30% of uh, protein and the rest carbohydrates. So mm. you still need a fair amount of carbohydrates. Um, it's yeah. it's not a low carbohydrate um, plan at all. Um, but you do need to maybe focus a little bit more on the proteins and the good fats. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. And of course, when we talk about carbs, we're not necessarily talking about cakes and biscuits. 
We're talking about the carbs that you get in vegetables. I mean, even broccoli has carbs. Yes, and we're talking exactly. about you know, healthy nuts and seeds and maybe a little bit of whole grains. Yes, it's all those things. It is. It's not the cakes and the biscuits. And, you know, it's just to make that distinction between the simple carbohydrates, which are the ones that we all know we need to um, reduce in our diet and mm. increase the, the complex carbohydrates. So we have all the all the good stuff. And then what about our metabolism? You mentioned, you know, our, our metabolism changes and, and declines as we age. Do you have helpful information there about how we can give that a bit of a boost? Yeah, so it's a natural process called sarcopenia and it's a it's a natural loss of muscle mass as you age. It is a thing that happens. Um, and you can you can um, help through your diet, which we've spoken about, and you can also through exercise support your muscle mass. And I think um, exercise is another key element that I talk about because I think as we move into midlife, we I'm sure lots of people do plenty of walking, which is great, and you know maybe the old yoga class here and there, a little bit of cardio might do your zumba class. But quite often the missing element is the strength training. Um, ah, now you're talking my language. What, yes. what do you recommend here? Because I've I've started using weights recently. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not a gym bunny, and to be in my fifties and suddenly picking up a pair of dumbbells feels a bit a bit counterintuitive, really. But it's it's good. I love it. It's fantastic, and you know, I've come to it late myself as well. Is you know, I you know, I would just thought lifting weights that's for bodybuilders. What's that about? And it's not actually lifting weights, although you know that that's. Um, that might be what I move on to because actually I'm feeling much stronger now and I'm sort of really enjoying the benefits of doing the So what sort of things do you do? I, at the moment, because it's been so limited in what we can do, I've just spent the last year rolling out my mat, getting my hand weights out and doing online. There are a few apps. It's all free content and I do half Mm. an hour most days and it will be some kind of uh, strength training with dumbbells and full body workouts. You know, you might do a little bit of um, upper body work and then the next day you do a bit of um, leg work. And so over the course of the week, I feel like I'm working all the different elements and also actually working your your arms because, you know, it's quite nice to sort of actually see a little bit of tone coming back they, to they the arms. come up so quickly can't they you know if, yes. if you're having good quality protein particularly and, and you are doing a little bit and even if you don't have dumbbells just using your own body weight doing a you know tricep dip or a few press exactly you can use a bench to do that and i often do that and i was actually was back in the uk for christmas and i was staying in an airbnb and i didn't have my weights so i was just using some tins of beans just to, to yeah. You know, and, and I carried on doing it. I, I, I'm not stopping it because consistency is really key. You know, if you can just try and do those strength-based workouts at least, say, four times a week, four half an hour slots a week, and then add in, and also I love Pilates. Actually, it's another thing I do, uh, mainly because I have a bit of a dodgy lower back, but um, I love it anyway, and that's good resistance work as well. So I think mixing it up is really important. The strength training element is really key. And often when I talk to midlife women, that is the missing part of the puzzle in their in, in what they're doing exercise-wise. They might be actually doing quite a lot of exercise, but it's not really working those muscles. And I only use two and three kilo hand weights. And it's not a huge amount of weight that I'm lifting, but it's just the repetitions over time. And I think people be surprised at the difference it makes. And you're supporting that all-important metabolism. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's great from all angles, really. 
Excellent. Let's move on now and talk about the role of gut health, because that's something that obviously I write about and talk about a lot. What's your take on that in, in midlife and helping weight loss? Well, um, so the, the big three things that happen that we've spoken about, there's hormones, metabolism and gut health. So that's that's the third element um, of the physiological changes that happen. And there's no doubt that as we age, particularly once we pass about the age of 40, um, there's a negative correlation with our gut diversity. So um, you, there was actually one study that showed that your the, the makeup of your microbiome is actually quite an accurate um, clock. You know, it can sort of age you quite well uh, based on your microbiome, which is really interesting. Um, so there's that issue. So if we're not supporting the diversity of our microbiome through our diet, then that can be an issue. And again, related to aging. Um, and also what tends to happen is that we get a little bit less efficient because of that um, extracting the nutrients we need from our food. And things like the, the normal secretions in our gut can reduce and change. And so generally our gut health is at risk. So we do have to, um, make sure that we are doing all those things that we need to support our gut health. You're eating lots of different plant-based foods is really key. Um, and if you like them, you know, all the things that we've spoken about um, numerous times were like uh, fermented foods and all that, that's all great. And that will all really help if you like them. I mean, you know, I'm not really an advocate of eating things you don't like just because they're healthy, but there's plenty of things out there these days that can help with your gut health. Um, so I think that what I've tried to do is create recipes in my book that cover all these bases. So I've looked at all, all these things and I've, I've tried to create recipes that cover the macros, that sort of cover the gut health, you know, support the gut health, bring all that together in the recipes so people don't feel too bamboozled by it all. Because it can be quite a lot to think about, you know, am I getting, am I getting enough protein and, you know, am I... You know, am I feeding the good bacteria in my gut and am I doing all the right things? It, it can be quite hard to keep on top of. And I think sometimes people get a little bit confused about it and slightly give up <laughs> because it seems yeah. such I a mean, big you want job. To, to motivate, don't you, without bamboozling. Are there any particular nutrients that you add in? Do you take much in the way of food supplements to support weight loss? I don't myself. Um, I don't. Well, I mean, I take... Um, if, if not in Singapore, but when I'm back in the UK, I take vitamin D. Um, so I do take that. I generally don't. I try and get everything that I need through my food, but I don't have a restrictive diet. I mean, if I was vegetarian or vegan or, you know, had some other kind of things going on, then, you know, perhaps it would be good to look at, say, B12. Um, I take magnesium. And I think that really helps with the sleep side of things. And um, I think it's just a very... It's calming, actually. I find it's calming magnesium. So I magnesium, think that's a good one to take. Big, become mm -hmm. a big fan of magnesium this last year, as you say, for calmness, for helping with anxiety and, and sleep. And presumably where you are in Singapore and over in Asia, you're going to get a lot of great seafood as well for your omega-3s. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's. I mean, the, the food here in Singapore is really fantastic. So, you know, we're sort of spoiled for choice, really. But I think, you know, there's a lot you can get from your food. 
sometimes it's not enough because it's you know it, it is quite difficult to constantly be varying your diet and sometimes if you're you're busy you just <laughs> might might not be able to you know eat those 30 different plant foods this week or whatever so I think there is a place for supplementation but I think it's very personal you know you have to really look at what you think your own personal needs are do a bit of experimentation as well you know don't just pop a multivitamin thing oh that'll do just <laughs> you know, just have the thing and think, well, actually, yeah, my sleep is a bit disrupted or I'm feeling a bit tired. Maybe my iron needs to, maybe I need to look at my iron. You know, so really think about where you feel you might be deficient and address it and then just see, does it make you feel better? I'm sure that's the process that you've gone through in trying to get your supplement regime together to just see what works for you. Definitely. And and I think it's it's really useful to have kind of targets and goals I'm interested that in your book, you talk about if you're going to set a target for yourself for losing weight at the beginning, to aim for 5% of your body weight, is that right? Yes, and um, so I worked with the book, so I do have a qualification nutrition, but I work with a registered dietitian called Sarah Schenker on the book. And when I was discussing this with her, I said, you know, I do want to give, it's good to have a target if that motivates you, but if you, if you set yourself too big a target, it can demotivate you because it can seem like you've got an Everest to climb. And I don't think that's a really good mentality to go. And so I said, you know, what what do you suggest? And she said, well, actually, I say to people, you know, 5% of your body weight is, is a good initial target, you know, depending on how much you have to lose. Um, and it, that seemed to me to be quite doable for most people. And once you achieve that, then you can reassess. You can see how you feel, you know, have you had enough? Do you want to sort of halt the weight loss for a bit, just stabilize maybe, you know, it depends what, if the kids are on holiday, it might not be the right time to sort of keep going. You know, I, I do want, I, I really wanted something that was going to be flexible enough for people to work into their lives because most sort of traditional diets are so prescriptive and you feel like you have to religiously follow them to the letter or you're going to fail and it's not going to work. And then, you know, when you finished it, then you're like, okay, well now, where do I go with this now that I can eat carbs again or whatever it is? And I think that transition can be tricky. You you write in the book about clarifying our motivation for wanting to lose weight in the first place. Why do you think that's important? Because I think that it takes, you have to prioritise yourself in order to make lifestyle changes. Because what we're talking about here is is changing your relationship with food and changing your relationship with how you view your own well-being. And those aren't things that you can just do quickly and easily. They're a slow uh, process of change, really. And it's a bit like I sometimes say to people, it's a bit like giving up smoking, say, which is a really difficult thing to do. It's only difficult when you're not really motivated to do it. Once you are motivated to do it, it's surprising how often people say, well, actually, it wasn't as hard as I thought. You know, actually, when I gave up eventually, it was all right. And I think it's the same with weight loss. People think it's so difficult and it's so hard to do. And it's probably because maybe when they've tried in the past, they weren't fully motivated or committed to the idea. Um, whereas actually, when you are, when you are committed to saying, actually, you know, I want to get a handle on my own health, then it's relatively easy because you, it, you want to do it. You know, and anything that you want to do, is easy. So I do say to people, do don't don't embark on any weight loss program unless you feel really motivated to do it and you really want to see those results. And you've got, you know, you've got that end game in sight. You're like, that is where I want to be. 
How how long realistically should should we give ourselves? Because I think it's always you talk about the end game, having a goal in sight. You know, are, are we talking about you know doing? Is it you know several weeks, several months? What do you think is is most effective and most achievable for us? Again, I think it comes down to the individual. So some people, there's a four week plan in the book, and it starts off. The first week's pretty pretty tough. Like you, you know, it's sort of is it? yeah, it's it's it's. It's basically six out of the seven days you are on 800 calories, which doesn't sound very much. And it isn't very much, but it's surprising you know, with the recipes I've created. That is three proper meals a day. You will have three proper meals. You're not going to be skinny wow, meals. That's you know. um, You are going to be, and they are going to be nutritionally balanced. So I don't think you will feel hungry. I don't think you will have cravings. But it's still probably a lot less than you're used to. No snacks, no alcohol. You know, there's a little bit. There's a bit yeah. of sacrifice to be done. And then in the second week, it goes to five 800 calorie days and then four and then three. And then you stay on three um, 800 calorie days until you get to your target weight. So that's one way of doing it. If that works with your psychology, if you like, some people mm -hmm. like to go in hard to these things when they're really motivated. Yeah. Some people don't really work like that. Some people are a bit, that sounds a bit too much for me. I don't, I don't think I can do that. So then I would say, okay, well, what's doable for you? Maybe just start off making some of the recipes. Maybe just start off cooking some of the recipes. Right. Getting, used yeah, to the, getting used to the recipes. They're naturally low calorie anyway. So, yeah. you know, if, if, you, if you eat from the book, they're going to be, it's probably good, you're going to be cutting your calories. So you can just start off cooking from the book. Or a yeah. middle ground would be, to say, try doing three, 800 calories a day from the get-go. And it will take you longer to lose the weight, but you will yeah. get there. So I think we all have a different mindset when it comes to losing weight. And I think that's why diets sometimes don't work because they are trying to push everybody into the same program and not everybody mm. not everybody has the same response to, like some people love being told what to do. Make this for breakfast, make this for lunch, make this for dinner. Hour by hour. Some people love that and they really respond to that. And so if you want that, that's that. If that's not your style, if you need a bit more flexibility, and quite mm. a lot of people are feeding a family, so they don't want to be making special yeah. food for themselves. They want you know to be making something that the whole family can eat. So I've tried to incorporate that as well. No, I was going to ask you about healthy snacks. That's always something that I'm on the lookout for. What kind of things do you rate if we're wanting to cut, uh, you know, cut the the the, the weight loss down. Well, I always get people saying this, oh, Sam, Sam, can I snack? Am I allowed to snack? And I'm mm. like, yeah, you, you can snack. I mean, if you're hungry, you should eat something. <laughs> you know, absolutely. If, if you're eating with awareness and you ask yeah. yourself, you, know, you ask yourself, gosh, I feel really hungry. And you say, actually, am I really hungry? No, I'm not. I'm just a bit bored. Okay, I won't have a snack. No, I, I've done some exercise. I'm really hungry. Yeah, of course you should have a snack. Um, but you need to have a snack that is going to be new, delivering what you want, what your body needs nutritionally, and also is not going to completely blow the calories because at the end of the day, you don't want to undo all your good work on preparing, sure. making all this lovely food, and then you sort of blow it with one big snack. So I like to have, I make these, um, I'm sure you probably do this as well, I make um, dates stuffed with nut butter and I freeze them and eat them straight from Ooh. the freezer. I love so, that. I do do that, but I don't freeze them. I oh, love the idea. They're even better frozen and you can eat them straight from frozen and they're all fudgy. And they're about, the, say, one big fat date with some nut butter is about 100 calories. And I always say a 100 calorie snack is about right. 
Um, and yeah. if you have something like that, you don't really need much more than that. I might have, no. I sometimes have an evening like some dark chocolate and some salted peanuts because it tastes a bit like a Snickers bar. I quite like, I quite like that oh, combination. The two together. That's yeah, really the two fantastic. together. Yeah, Love so that. Um, I have that sometimes. I sometimes just have like a, some Greek yogurt and some berries. You know, yes. a bit like a bit like breakfast, but have it sort of at eleven o'clock. If I'm getting a bit hungry and I can't quite make it to lunch, I'll just have some yeah. yogurt with some berries and a couple of nuts or something. So I do have a list of a hundred calorie healthy snacks in the book, and those are the things that I tend to tend to if I need a snack. But you sort of, I think, a lot of snacking is habitual, and a lot of actually a lot of overeating is habitual. And once you start to retrain your body to expect a certain yeah. amount of food or a certain type of food, actually that's then what it starts to look for, you know. So yeah. I sort of find I'm not naturally really drawn to those unhealthy snacks anymore. Mm. So would you say then that ultimately, you know, once we've shifted the weight that we need to lose, is this going to be a successful plan then for keeping it off? Because that's got to be the key thing, hasn't it? Really coming back to where we first started, not doing this yo-yo dieting. We, we all want to... You know, if we want to shift some pounds, we want to make sure they're gone, bye-bye, for good, not just temporarily. I do believe that because they, that was my main mission in writing the book. And that is what, you know, that is how I did it. So a lot of people said to me, but Sam, you lost that 10 kilos and you never put it back on. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this book and tell you how. So that the whole purpose of this is to change people's relationship with food such that these things are long lasting and become ingrained in second nature rather than being something you just do for a set period of time. And so now, so the book came out at the end of December. So I'm now getting quite a lot of feedback from people who have, you know, we're now coming into March. So there are people who've done it. And I am getting lovely comments on my Instagram from people who say, you know, I lost 13 pounds over you know, January and February and I, I'm cooking from the book every day. And you know, I feel like this is something I, I'm going to continue to cook and eat in this way. And it's about the food. It's not about the restrictions or the other thing. It's a very, very food focused method because I sort of think, you know, I'm actually a food writer. So this is all about the food for me. It's like, how can you eat really, really well and lose weight? It's that way around. It's not, it's not the other way around. Um, so I think if, you know, surely if you're there and you're looking forward to your dinner and it's, I don't know, teriyaki, mackerel with sesame spinach you're gonna love that and it's still only 350 calories you know it's it's sort of it's 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 naturally low in calories rather than have that having to be the main event so i hope that's the main message that comes out to people is that you know, this is about food um you know two-thirds of the book is the recipes it's not the diet you know the information is there to explain about what's happening in your body and explain why it's harder to lose weight and talk about motivation and talk about why it's important to manage your um, health as you get older for all sorts of reasons. But actually, the real magic is is in the food. And I, I really, I strongly believe that, you know, it's it's called the midlife method, not the midlife diet. And that's for a reason. Excellent. Sam, it's lovely to chat to you. Thank you so much. I'm so inspired uh, and I'm feeling very hungry. And I'm going to go and <laughs> Me put too. them in the freezer. <laughs> go and put them in the freezer. They're amazing. You'll never look back. It'll be your go-to snack I forever now. I can do that you every time. Sam, lovely. thank you. Thank you for Thanks joining. Thanks for having me so much. It's been an absolute thrill. 
Well, that's it for today's episode. Huge thanks to Sam. And as always, you will find all the links and the resources that we mentioned over on lizardwellbeing.com. And there you can sign up for my free weekly newsletter. It's filled with plenty of healthy recipes and tips for living well and maybe losing a few pounds in the process. Huge thanks to all of you who have left us such lovely reviews. It really does help others to find the show. So until the next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye. The Lizelle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizelle, with production by Amaryllis Earl and Harry Trevithick at Heart Dialogue. With thanks to my producer, Ellie Smith, and guest booker, Millie de la Moriniere. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.